Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Today, we're talking about funding your business exit strategy using life and disability insurance in a buy-sell agreement. Now, this really comes down to how planning ahead for when you or your business partners want to go ahead and exit the business could mean the difference between your business transfer being the capstone of your success or the slippery slope to financial demise. Now, we're your hosts, Rachel Marshall and Bruce Wainer. Welcome, Bruce. Uh, Good morning, Rachel. Um, As we start all these podcasts, you know, we are trying to add some value to business owners and hopefully some individuals that that try to... run their lives, their personal economies the same way business owners do. And uh, um, um, you and I were talking before the podcast, you know, about certain things that come up in our lives. And uh, today I'm, I'm going to try to um, really add some value, even though uh, as we talked, I'm, I'm actually going to a funeral after this podcast with a high school buddy of mine who's who died at only 56. So sorry. And it's, it's funny, you know, we talk about, we talk a lot about a life insurance um, in our podcast along with other business consulting things, but it's because we believe that life insurance should be the cornerstone of, of everybody's life for a variety of reasons. Um, And, but we both agree that we never want to use it as a a scare tactic uh, marketing as a scare tactic, because that doesn't work. But the fact of the matter is, marketing as a reality probably does work. Mm-hmm. And I'm 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 kind of tired of people not being prepared because of my own uh, my own uh, hangups about uh, telling people the importance of life insurance. And probably some of our, our podcast members are saying, "Well, wait a minute, you you talk about it all the time." Yeah, but I don't think I really really get the point across is that this is something that every business owner should have, but also something that every personal person should have. Oh, Bruce, absolutely. And then when you, when you, um, when you have real life events that hit you like this, like you and Lucas did with your own, with your own child, um, you know, you hesitate to share it with people because you, you think that they think that, well, you're just doing that because you'd like to show us, you know, how to buy life insurance. And, 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 um, I'm saying no. I'm. I want to share this with you because the fact of the matter is that we're tr- we're dealing with real life here, and uh, so I hope this comes across in the podcast. And we, I don't want it to be too somber here, but I also want people to realize that uh, life happens on a daily basis to people, and we're and we're on this planet for just a short period of time, and trying to help people uh, throughout these decisions that a lot of people think cost, but actually it it actually pays off in, in a form of peace of mind and financially for your, your family. Um, I think it's very, very important. So that's what I'm going to keep in mind for the next 20 minutes as we talk about this. Yeah, Bruce. And I just really appreciate you even saying that just on the life insurance aspect. I mean, I'm in a position where I feel like I'm just aware of people, whether through our social network or people that we actually know in real life having passed away recently as well. And it's just, it's hard for me to see the number of people who are not prepared. And it's just heartbreaking to me to see, I mean, if every person needed a GoFundMe account to 
help their family to be able to survive after losing a loved one, it would feel really overwhelming to everyone around them. Yet at the same time, life insurance can handle that bridge and be that peace of mind and be that that source of income and be able to carry somebody through that that hard time. And and like you, I really feel the compelling need to share with everyone that this is a really critical piece of your financial life. And so today we're actually using a, a different venue to talk about what could happen in your business if something happened to your business partner. And so I want to set the stage a little bit here. So you might be in business with a business partner or several, and you probably are thinking about business continuation in some extent. I mean, you're probably in business so that you can eventually maybe sell off the business and live off the the proceeds from that. Or maybe you want to find a way to transition that to somebody else who's younger and going to continue on in the same business itself. But whatever you're thinking, there is a time when you will exit your business, either voluntarily or involuntarily, as well as the people around you. It might be retirement. It could be um, them becoming disabled. It could be coming um, in a position of mentally or physically unable and unable to continue in the business or passing away unexpectedly and too early. And we've talked about how you can compensate your business for losing a critical employee or owners with key man insurance. But what about the business ownership going forward? So if somebody were to retire or become disabled or die, will the other person continue in business? Would you sell the business? Would you bring in a new partner? Now, chances are you're probably not going to want to step into business with your business partner's spouse and their family and their heirs. And probably those heirs are not going to want to be in business with you either. So how do you make sure that you plan in advance so that every party can be made whole and walk out in wholeness as much as possible? Now, contingency planning is really one of those things that so many people put off. It's not an immediate concern. It's not something that you probably are going to have to face tomorrow, but really planning ahead for how you sell or transition that business could really mean the difference between having the continuation of the client relationships and the service that you're providing and your revenue and your business value and you and your loved ones really having that ability to experience the financial rewards of everything that you've built through your life or being unfulfilled and having undelivered service and unhappy clients and contracts that fall through and revenue that decreases and possibly even dries up and financial strife for you and your loved ones. So it's really worth thinking this through and planning for contingency so that you can fully experience the fruit of everything that you've built. Now, today we're going to discuss buy-sell agreements and what they are, what they do, and really just touch on a little bit of how they work. So we're going to answer, why should I plan ahead now? for how I'll exit my business? What circumstances should I consider? What is a buy-sell agreement? What is funding a buy-sell agreement and why is that so important? What are the options to fund a buy-sell agreement? And then how can life insurance be a solution to business buy-sell funding problems? So we hope that today you'll leave this conversation really with just with some great ideas and insights that maybe you never thought of before. Sometimes we can have that unknown paralyze us and we don't really know how to move forward. We feel powerless. We don't even know where to start thinking about something. And so it can be easy just to focus on the present, get through the next day and make sure that you are just doing what is required of you in your business today. But really, we hope that you'll be able to take on a longer term view because the longer term view you have, the better choices you're going to make 
and the more peace you're going to have about those decisions today. So um, really, our goal is to help you feel empowered to at least have the questions to ask yourself and the people around you so that you can plan for contingencies in your business. Now, one other thing I want to say before we start is that this is just one part of the cash flow system. So first, you want to have this foundation to be keeping as much of your money as possible, increasing your cash flow from the money you're already making. Then you want to protect that. Then you want to get it working for you and increasing and moving faster towards cash flowing assets so that you can build time and money freedom. So buy-sell agreements using life insurance would be in stage two, which is your protection component and helping you protect the wealth that you've built. So Bruce, let's talk about a little bit about why we should plan ahead for how we'll exit a business. Yeah, there's, um, there's, many, there's many reasons, but the number one reason I think is, is peace of mind. I'm, I'm always amazed when I talk to business owners, you know, they're going 100 miles an hour. Um, but when they, when they slow down and you actually ask some questions, it's, it's, they're really, really worried about the reason they go and they justify this. They say, well, I know I'm working, you know, 16 hours a day, but I'm doing it for my family, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and I truly believe that's why they're doing it. And one of my best clients, when I say best, I mean um, client that is most active and has the most money. I mean, millions of dollars. He, he justifies the fact that um, he ruined his family, frankly, because he, he worked all the time and wasn't there for his three sons. Mm. So he says, you know, at the time I'm, I was saying, hey, I'm giving them all this. I'm, I'm, I have to do this to financially build this up, build this up, build this up. And then um, he actually de- ruined the relationships with all three of the sons. And then yeah. he's, re- he's repairing two of them. Um, so, you know, the, you're, you're going so hard that you forget that there's also a protection component of this. Like, okay, I... If I'm going so hard and I'm trying to do this for my family's financial um, future and current and current needs, then what happens if I'm not in the picture? And the ironic thing is, is that you build stress up during that time period and, and you're likely to actually become either short term disabled or long term disabled or frankly die because of it. And so that's one of the things I, I, I see. Um, and then you also have the, the peace of mind of, you know, uh, paying the creditors and cust- and and uh, uh, suppliers and and obviously employees. You know, we talk. <clears throat> I was doing a. I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about, you know, uh, the position that you are in when you start a business. Like, what's the most important thing to pay first? Well, the most important thing to pay first is the employees, because if you don't have uh, revenue to pay the employees, then you won't have an, a business. Um, sure. Yeah. Right. And then, and then you have to pay. Then you have to pay your lease. You can put off. You can put off suppliers. Um, six, uh, 30, 60, 90 days, and in some cases, one hundred and twenty days. But um, one hundred twenty days is, you know, really, really a long time. And then you can, oh, sure. yeah, like a quarter of a year. Yeah, and then you can pay the preferred stockholders according to um, the, the agreement. But the people that get paid last are the common stockholders because the common stockholders have no contractual obligations whatsoever. Um, so what's interesting though is 
is in order to do that, if something would go wrong in your business, you need to have the capital to be able to pay those particular things off. Well, well, banks actually like this when people have well-designed life insurance because they're going to get paid off. You want to make sure your your employees' final paychecks get paid off, or even better, you want to con- you want to help continuation of the business by either uh, helping the helping your your um, your kids or your partner continue the business. But the other thing I find that's interesting is a lot of con- a lot of people say, "Well, I want my customers." to be taken care of. And I don't, and, and I don't mean like I've paid off, but they want the business to continue because they develop deep relationships with their, with their customers. And they want their customers to continue to get the service or goods that they're providing. So that's the other thing. Another thing to consider is just orderly transfer. Uh, we have a state attorney that does these and he, he's, he talks about no matter how well you set something up verbally or even in writing, you think, well, it's just, I, it's going to my kids. My kids are going to be the owner of the business. He has this saying that in-laws become outlaws. Mm, yeah. And even if you, even if you like your, your daughter-in-law or son-in-law or your brother-in-law or sister-in-law or whatever, even if you think they would never turn on you, they're still not uh, the same relationship that you have with your child or your brother or sister in business. Because they, especially if there's multiple family members, because he says they start elbowing them and say, why are you letting your brother get away with this again? Mm-hmm. Oh, or why sure. are you getting, you, yeah, why are you letting your sister get away with this again? So even if you think your own child um, or your own children would play nicely, all of a sudden now they're under the stress of, okay, now do I stick with my family members, my mom and dad who own the business or who are now deceased? <laughs> or do I now try to support my spouse who's telling me, giving me their opinion to say, Hey, this isn't the way your dad wanted it. And you deserve this. So on and so forth. So there's, there, there's disorderly, there's disorderly transfer when these kind of things kind of uh, happen. So having a well-designed, yeah. If you, yeah so, no, go, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm just saying, well, having a well-designed uh, transfer is, is less stress on the family. Absolutely. And I think, that if you can plan ahead in advance, when everyone is healthy and the business is going well, you have a lot more bargaining power. Imagine you have two different business owners and there's no agreement in place. And now you're the person who has lost their family member, maybe it was their dad was in business and now they're they're trying to make sure that they get the worth out of that. I mean, the half of the business may not be valuable to that family if they don't know how to run it. They want to be able to have the compensation that would have come from that business usually. And so in terms of getting a fair price, they might say, well, here I have this half of a business. I want a fair price for it. And the current business owner who's in business is you know, working through things quickly and maybe isn't going to give them a fair price. Or maybe they want to go s- sell that to someone out- else outside the business, which then that would leave the current, the the existing business owner in business with someone that they don't even know. That's not necessarily a position for a viable continuation of a business. Or there could even be lawsuits involved. There's just a lot that you want to say when everyone's on a level playing field and has their wits about them and has their ability to plan, no one's at a disadvantage. And that's the time that you really want to make sure you put things in place so that the 
transfer can be orderly and fair for all the family members involved. And usually, if you are the family of a business owner who passes away or becomes disabled, what you really want is that financial wholeness. You want to be whole, made whole financially. And so really allows you to do that. That's a great point. Um, And, you know, you always make great points. And then I, I give you some real life uh, because I'm a lot older. I'm older. I love it. And we're dealing with this company right now called Red Oak. And what they actually do is they have a bond. So they lend, they lend to people that have unusual circumstances. And here's a, here's an example they just, they just gave us. And because I know listeners are thinking, well, no, you know, for, for millions of dollars, I'm going to play fair and I'm not going to be, I'm, my family's not going to, you know, ruin this for me and so on and so forth. Well, there's a, there was a building in, in Kansas City, uh, which is just across the state from where I am in St. Louis. There was a building in Kansas City that was worth $5 million. And um, an 85-year-old wife wanted, wanted to, the spouse just died. And the wife said to the, her um, kids, hey, I want you to help me run this building. And the kids are like, no, mom, I don't want to do this, blah, blah, blah. And she says, well, I want to go to Florida now. I, now that your dad's gone, I want, to, I want this and I want this to help me fund my retirement and go to Florida. Florida. I mean, she's 85 years old. I can see where she's frustrated. But her, ki- her kids wouldn't help her. Oh, yeah. And so she said, okay. Then I'm going to sell the, biz, the the building. Well, one of the reasons she needed help is the building was only 50% occupied. Well, for our listeners, you cannot get a conventional uh-huh. loan on a building that is only leased at 50%. Uh, the the um, uh, the regulators say it has to be at least 70%. So a guy came in, a multimillionaire comes in, and he says, okay, then I'll give you $3.2 million for uh, this building yeah. that was worth $5 million. And he and he knew she was bargaining from a place Desperation, of, yeah. of weakness because yeah, and, and, and her kids wouldn't help her. So she took the she took the three point two million dollars. Wow. And a lot of your listeners say, Oh, come on. Well, this this Red Oak company, they field a hundred and fifty phone calls like this oh a gosh. week from from people who are just trying to get out. Now I'm gonna put something, I'm gonna give you an example of this. You see, I bet you our listeners are say are, have seen these advertisement. We buy yep. ugly houses, so this is the same concept here. These are people; these are estate homes that people have died. the The, the family members don't want to deal with it, so they sell these homes that are filled with estate junk or are in disrepair. But they sell them for a ridiculous discount just to get it out of their hair, and so this is the same thing. Now, if you have well-designed life insurance in this, if this family would have had well-designed life insurance in Kansas City, when the when the husband died, the wife would have had millions of dollars to do whatever she wanted to. Oh, she could have hired a property management team to actually do this and not lose the value of this. These are the real-life examples that we're trying to get across to people. And, and once again, this isn't one. This the, These people are fielding 150 of these a week wow. and they have to sift through. That's just fascinating to hear the real life experience behind this. And yes, the families can be in a position where it they really just want to get rid of the business and get it off their hands and the existing mm-hmm. business owner. So what if there's two business owners 
the other business owner then has the burden of wanting to say, well, I want my customers to still be happy. I want to still be able to pay my suppliers. I want to pay my employees. I have these these maybe 25 employees whose families are financially dependent on this business continuing its operation. And that existing business owner still wants it to the business to continue on its operation to fund their future lifestyle. And so we really want to be in a position where everyone gets what they're hoping for. And that's why planning ahead is so critical. Uh, Bruce, I, I just love that you shared that situation with um, Red Oak and, and the the volume of people mm. who are looking to get out of those businesses. So again, uh, what circumstances should you consider? We mentioned retirement, divorce, disability, incapacity, or death. Um, Bruce, I can't think of any more particular situations where somebody would be getting out of a business that you want to plan in advance for. Um, no, I, th- I think those are the basic ones. I mean, um, I think retirement falls under... Um, also, just mentally, they can't go or physically, they can't go anymore. You know, emotionally, they can't go anymore. So people call it retirement when, they, when they're really, they're just, they're just done. You know, they're just shot uh, yeah. mentally and emotionally. Yeah. So that's the only other one that, you, you know, people. Very, people, very people good. I mean, this could be somebody who's in their 60s and it could be somebody who's, you know, 85 and saying, right. you know, I am just done running this yeah, business. Right. Um, so what is a buy-sell agreement? Well, very simply, it's a legal contract that is between multiple business partners and it defines what happens when one partner exits. Now that provides for the sale of the business ownership interest whenever something happens. So there's really two parts of a buy-sell agreement. You have to have the legal contract that is an agreement for what the fair price of the ownership shares will be and how they're going to get paid out. And then you need to have planned funding. So a buy-sell agreement that's just a contract with an agreed upon um, disbursement of company stock and getting the shares back into the hands of the remaining business owner it does nothing for you if there's no funding behind it. Because if you say, well, here's a business that's worth a million dollars, it's two partners, each is each shares are worth $500,000. If you say, well, what's going to happen is when partner A passes away, partner B is going to go ahead and get all of the the shares. Well, there has to be a way for that partner B to have $500,000 to buy out his partner when the triggering event happens. And that's really what it comes down to with a buy-sell agreement. You want to be able to have the legal contract in place drafted by a competent attorney that has both interests at stake and at heart, and then really being able to have the funding behind it. So Bruce, is there anything you want to share on that? Well, I just think, you know, we're talking about life insurance for the, for the, um, the death uh, buyout, but life insurance can also be used to fund the capital buyout of the, of the partnership. And, you know, all too often I see this as universal life. People put universal life in place for this because somebody has come into them and showed them illustrations that, frankly, I always say are liars poker, mm-hmm. because uh, although universal life can be purchased much more um, in it more inexpensively and illustrated to be the greatest thing in the world um, going forward, they have not they have not performed the way that they were illustrated because of our government intervention of the interest rates. Uh, uh, what we always espouse is using whole life insurance for this because in that contract, uh, although the dividends are not 
are, are not guaranteed, the dividends are much more stable um, uh, the way that the, um, the insurance companies work because, well, frankly, these mutual companies have been around for hundreds of years, so they have a long track record for, for doing this. Um, and then it builds up cash value at a much uh, more uh, safe and, and greater rate. Why? Well, one reason is you put more money into it. Mm-hmm. A universal life is about having the minimum amount you can put in it with the maximum amount of protection. Uh, it, the other way the whole life does it is, hey, we're going to put the maximum amount we can and pull down the protection to the appropriate amount. And so when you do that, we're not just talking about protection if somebody dies, but we're also talking about having capital to buy the other partner or partners out, um, either in a one lump sum and in, in, in a distribution payment. And we're going to go over this, uh, I think, the next in the next section here, we're going to go over how that can be done. So mm-hmm. I want people to, to realize that we're talking about buy-sell agreements, not just from a death benefit situation, but how do you fund it to, to make sure everybody is is happy and gets their fair share after many, many years of being in business together. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that leads us right into a question of saying, okay, so what if I do have a buy sell agreement and it's a legal contract in place? And it says that if partner a wants to get out, my business partner wants to get out, then I, I get the business and they get their, their value that they were holding in the business. So what else could you use instead of just life insurance? I mean, that's not the only way you can fund a buy-sell agreement. So what else could you do? Well, let's just talk through a few options. You could say, well, let's pay cash. But let's be honest, how many business owners are holding cash in the business? Usually the money's tied up in the business somehow. It's an inventory or they've purchased um, something in the business and, and the money is tied up. It's not usually free and liquid and available to be able to make that purchase. You could have a sinking fund as well, where you're putting aside reserves on an ongoing basis. But the challenge there is that what if the event, what if the retirement or the disability or the death happens earlier than you expected and you haven't had time to fill up the sinking fund and there's no way to predict when the event may happen? Um, You could also use a loan, but one of the challenges there is that if you're in a position where a business owner is now saying either I want out or they have to get out, you may be in a position where the viability of your business is not as strong. You are looked at with more risk from a lending company. You may not be able to get a loan at favorable terms under those circumstances. Yeah, this is very similar to what we talk about having um, money in reserve and not paying off your house because if you lose your job and you can't make your mortgage payment, you can't go, you can't right. go to the bank and say, hey, I want to get a home equity line of credit now to pay for my expenses till I get a job again. They're gonna, because they're going to say, well, wait a minute, what is your income right now? And you're going to say, I don't have any income. And they say, and they're going to say, well, then we can't extend you any credit. It's a very similar situation from a previous podcast that we talked about. Yes, absolutely. And, and the reason why you don't want to have to be dependent on the bank in that situation just to be able to sustain your business or to be able to get the business into your hands and out of the family member or heir's hands whose estate it's tied up in at that time. Now, you could also say, well, we're just going to have installment payments from the business to the heirs of the the person who has left the business. So what that may look like is you say, well, the business is revenue is 2 million right now and they're just going to go ahead and pay out this um the family of the person who's passed away 100,000 a year for the next 10 years. Well, how do you know that you're going to continue to sustain the revenue in the business 
without that person and maybe their expertise or their um, what they provided and what they what they put into the business that created. It also that depends revenue. on the business too. Like um, I just recently, when I say recently, I, I can't believe how fast things go by. But about three years ago, uh, I had a client who was who was actually in the printing business. He owned a third of a printing business with two other brothers. He was actually not part of the family. And, he, and we determined that the um, the worth of his third of the business was 750000 But if people know anything about the printing business, because everything's been digitized, uh, people can print things off really good printers now. So it's a dying business. And so uh, I encouraged him, instead of, instead of getting his $750,000 payment paid out over 10 years, I said, why don't we just go to them because they're probably not going to be still around in 10 years. So I said to him, why don't we negotiate? Hey, we'll take $75,000 a year over 10 years. Or if you want to pay us $400,000 right now, we'll just take that right now. And they thought they were getting a, a good deal because they actually didn't have that drag of $75,000 plus his $200,000 salary that uh, he had previously. So they were getting rid of the 200000 200, and they also were uh, were replacing it with 75000 So it was still a little bit of a drag. Um, but they also lost his intellectual ability and his physical ability in the business. And, and the final thing is, is that so they just went and got a, while they were still viable, they got a, a lien against the, the, uh, the business assets, which was including a building, and got a loan for 400000 and gave it to him. And he got out. And then they only had to pay uh, on the $400,000 loan, which was a lot less than $75,000 a year. So it was a win, win, win for everybody. And then we took the $400,000 and we placed it into a vehicle that we can, awesome. that we had the time value of money. You know, we had more money today that we can then produce money for his retirement. And so it was a win, win, win. So that's, a, that's kind of an example of, of um, not a sinking fund, but maybe um, uh, example of, worrying about is the business going to be there if you're going to do installment payments. Right. And and you decided not to do installment payments, but you had cash right away. So was the cash available well, in that business? That way, it to wasn't be able in to the business. It was in the building. They had to go do that right loan. To, yeah. To do that. Right. Okay. Okay. So they then used the loan, which they were able to use at that time. And each party was made whole then. Correct, and and I, and obviously it hurt. It helped the business because the loan payment was less than the seventy five thousand that they were paying too. Because we always espouse cash flow. Well, there's just another example how a business controlled their cash flow mm-hmm. when a when a when somebody was parting out of the business. So we had a legal document um, set up. Now they should have had that legal document on how you get out of the partnership before. So right. it was like a it, it was like a year a year um, negotiating trying to figure this out. And of course, while we're trying to figure this out, um, we're going in and out. There's stress. Uh, the business isn't doing as well because we're we're working on this stuff instead of working in the business. I mean, oh, yeah. There's all kinds of things that are a detriment to a business if you don't have this stuff set up properly. I love that you shared that it wasn't set up in advance, but that it did take time and it took a little bit of headache. But then you were able to use the loan. You were able to increase the cash flow for the business because they had less outflow, less than the seventy-five thousand. It was just paying the interest on this loan um, and the, and the loan payments. 
but yet both parties, the the guy who had the three the one third ownership and the family that was still in the business felt like it was a win win. That's a, a really good example of exiting a business, Bruce. Thanks for mm-hmm. sharing that. So the other option would be then to use life or disability insurance. And I mentioned both because life insurance can be used in wonderful cases uh, that could be used specifically to build up cash value, to have reserves, as well as being able to provide for if there was an early passing away of one of the business owners. Now, disability is probably even more likely than early death and could easily be used as well to buy out the other person. So let's just talk about a little bit how this works. So if you were going to use life insurance, there's a couple different ways that you can run this and we'll just keep it super simple for today. But imagine the business takes out life insurance policies on the owners. Then let's just say, um, I don't know, Bob and Cindy. So if Cindy passes away, then what's going to happen is her life insurance policy then pays the business. And then the business pays Cindy's family for Cindy's stock. And Cindy's stock then gets absorbed back into the business. Cindy's family is left whole. The business now has all of the shares and they can walk away happy and feeling like that there has been a um, a full transfer. Does that make sense? Is that coming across clearly? Yeah, it's, 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 it's simply that, um, this, first of all, you got to make sure Cindy's Cindy's happy, you know, because she deserves it or, or, or he deserves it, uh, whoever the spouse is, um, because mm-hmm. there's a particular spouse that builds something up. But y- you also want to make sure that the uh, person that survives, the partner that survived is happy so they can t- continue to run the business in their livelihood. Um, and if they have, uh, they had a spouse, a spouse, excuse me, a partner in the business that was getting half the revenue. Well, now you're getting the full amount of revenue, but you're also doing all the work. So, so now, right. but now you have additional revenue to actually go buy, um, not buy, but employ key employees that can take up the slack for the previous partner. So it's a, once again, if it's designed properly, then everybody wins in the situation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think um, what's interesting to me as well is that you could potentially use these policies if the business buys them as a key man policy as well. You could multitask a policy in a way and you would have to design it with enough death benefit that you could not only go hire somebody else to fill that role, but also be able to buy out the shares. Um, But what you also can do is the life insurance policy could be transferred to the exiting business owner um, as part of the purchase price or so say for instance, it was not death, say it was retirement. And now Cindy is retiring and she wants out of the business. Now the life insurance policy that the business owned on her could be transferred to her. And now she has access to the cash value that's inside that policy. And that could be part of her agreement that she now is, is getting compensation as she's retiring out of this business. So just some things to think about there. Uh, you can also be able to do a different type of uh, policy buyout where the individual business owners buy policies on each other. And similarly, then if one business owner were to pass away, the death benefit would be paid to the other one. In this case, it would be paid to Bob if Cindy passes away. And then Bob would then have this extra cash that he can use to buy Cindy's shares. And so either way you look at it, 
it's the way to fund an orderly transfer of the business to the person who is still in the business and who wants to maintain the continuation of the business. One of the things I don't think people, business owners realize is they say, well, I'm already cash. My cash flow is already um, razor thin. Yes, I'm sitting on a bunch of cash, but I like to sit on a bunch of cash. You know, we, we were working with a recycling company down in Southeast Missouri that was sitting on $800,000 worth of cash, but they didn't think they had any money, <laughs> you know, so because they were always worried about, they were always worried about the change in metal prices for the recycling. And, and we said, well, mm. then they said, well, I can't afford cash flow to put money into a life insurance policy. And we said, well, what about this $800,000? Well, I can't touch that. I need to have access to that. Well, as you know from our other podcasts, we can design whole life insurance where in the first year you could have access to as much as 75% of that, of that cash. And then the next year, if he makes another premium payment, it'll go up to about 82% of that cash. So when we showed him that, he goes, oh, you mean I can actually fund this and I can have access? And we're like, yes. He goes, oh, okay. Well, now he's been doing this for almost nine years. So, so he solved his problem. Oh, wow. We had another uh, uh, excavating company in, um, in Southeast Missouri that w- they build highways and they were, they were saying the same thing. They're sitting on millions of dollars of cash. And the reason they're sitting on millions of dollars of cash is because they get government contracts. And, and earlier in the podcast, we talked about 120 days uh-huh. getting paid. They wish they would get paid in 120 days. Exactly. It's because, even longer. Because government... It's even longer. Mm-hmm. So they're like, we need this cash. So we can't we can't do this. And so we showed them how using whole life to actually store that cash that they're using um, was actually funding a buy-sell agreement between the, the brothers. Um, and, and they also had access in case the government contracts weren't paid on time. So uh, that, I think, is the only thing we want to kind of end this show in is that it's not about every life insurance policy. It's about a properly designed yeah. life insurance properly. Uh, uh, and it can actually use, be used as a savings tool. It can be used as uh, a buy-sell agreement. It can be used as a key man uh, agreement. It can be used a variety of, of different agreements if it's, if it's done properly. But you have to have people that have a team of people, a legal CPA, um, life insurance, and in some cases, you know, investment people like with the Red Oak we talked about er- earlier that understand um, how all these things are intertwined together. Absolutely. Thanks for bringing that piece in. And um, yes, so infinite banking, privatized banking is something you can absolutely do inside of the same life insurance policies that you were designing for these purposes. And so it's amazing how many things you can do with the same dollars. And that is called multitasking your money or having it do more than one thing at a time, which is just a tremendous benefit to you. So hopefully today, just through this discussion, we've opened the door for you to plan and think about potential exit strategies. And as you hear these stories that Bruce has shared, and as you think through some of these topics that we've discussed today, Hopefully there's just one less question mark for you about what your business exit could look like. And maybe that's clarity enough for you to just take some action to strategically protect your business and your livelihood and your peace of mind as you move forward. So you can book a strategy call with us if you have 
So if you want to find out how to move forward with buy-sell planning or strategically design life insurance or any of these pieces that we've talked about in your business or your financial life, go ahead and book a strategy call with our team. And if you want to talk about privatized banking, cash flow strategies, or alternative investments, or accelerating your path to time and money freedom, that's what we're here for. And we'd love to talk with you and help you find those next steps. Go to themoneyadvantage.com to get started. We'll have the links in the show notes. And in closing, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.